Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the Radically You podcast. My name is Naomi Jenkins. I am a certified life coach, a total psychology and neuroscience geek, and your host for this week's episode on understanding your human brain. Today, we are going to talk about our human brains. We're going to talk about all the amazing things that they do for us and why they are our greatest asset and why having a human brain is what really sets us apart from all the other animals and their capabilities versus ours. And also how our human brains sometimes get in our own way, how they can sometimes be our biggest obstacle to creating the life that we want to have or becoming the version of us that we want to become. So let's just jump right in. First, I want to just kind of identify and define some of the different regions of the brain, just so that we all have a basic understanding of what different parts of our brain do. Obviously, the human brain is extremely complex. And in the like 15 or 20 minutes that I have you today, I'm not going to be able to tell you everything there is to know about it. Not that I know everything about it, though I kind of wish I did. But I'm going to tell you the things that for our purposes of working to embrace the most radically authentic version of ourselves, that it is useful to know the pieces of our brain that we need to understand so that we can show up for ourselves in the highest, most loving, compassionate way possible. So let's talk about the oldest part of the human brain. Uh, I think it's useful to know that the human brain has been evolving, obviously, over centuries of human life, and that it hasn't always been as complex as it is today. So the very first part of the human brain that evolved and developed was our, what is often called in the world of psychology, the reptilian brain. And this is like the very lowest part of your brain, like the brainstem and the hypothalamus. And by lowest part, I mean like literally down at the bottom of your brain, down towards the bottom of your skull, like to like where your brainstem comes down and attaches to your spine. So this part of our brain, this reptilian part of our brain is referred to as the reptilian part of our brain because it is the part of our brain that we have in common with reptiles, meaning that what a reptile's brain is meant to do is the same as what this part of our brain does. So this lower part of our brain, let's start with the brainstem. The brainstem is the earliest development of the human brain. It also is the first part of the human brain to develop like in utero. This part of the brain is fully developed by the time a baby is born. And the brainstem is responsible for like kind of automatic reflexive things. Things like hunger, sleep, bladder control, things that you think about when you think about like a newborn baby. And the part just above that is kind of tied into it. It's called the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is responsible for regulating things like your heart, your lungs, your immune system, your digestion, I believe. Basically all of the life sustaining systems in our body 
are maintained and kept in homeostasis by our hypothalamus. So those two parts together, the brainstem and the hypothalamus, are the parts of our brain that make up our reptilian brain. Above the reptilian brain is what is sometimes referred to as the mammalian brain. So this is more of like the central part of our brain. Um, if you're lucky, I'll never say mammalian again. But what I mean by that, why it's called that is because this is the part of our brains that we have in common with mammals. So this is like what separates reptiles from mammals is that they have this more developed brain. This part of our brain, scientifically, we would call the limbic system. For our purposes, I'm going to refer to it mostly as the emotional brain. But the limbic system or the emotional brain is the part of our brain that is involved in our behavioral and emotional responses, especially when it comes to like behaviors that we need for survival. Things like feeding, reproduction, caring for our young, fight or flight responses, all of those things that are tied up in our survival. I call it sometimes the emotional brain. Other times I refer to it as our survival brain. I think for the purposes today, it's going to be most useful to think of our, this as our survival brain. In general, a lot of people would lump together that reptilian brain and that mammalian brain into like the survival brain together. But I want to focus mostly on the limbic system upwards. So so the limbic system, like I said, is responsible for behavior and emotion. Um, it's also responsible for memory. It's where our memory lives. This part of our brain begins to develop after birth. So it's not fully functional when we're born. It develops over time um, as we're children. It's the part of our brain, like I said, that's responsible for survival. So it's the part of our brain that monitors danger. Um, it judges what is pleasurable painful, scary, etc. And this is the part of our brain that is constantly working to keep us safe. This is the part of our brain that I have mentioned in previous episodes that is always looking for what's wrong and trying to figure out where the problem is to solve because it's trying to keep us alive. Another really useful tidbit that I want to offer you about this part of your brain is how it goes about trying to keep us alive. The survival part of our brain is deeply motivated by three very basic things. In the world of psychology, this is often referred to as the motivational triad. And the motivational triad is this. Our brains are, our survival brains, I should say, are motivated by one, seeking pleasure, two, avoiding pain, and three, conserving energy. So let's dive into each one of those one at a time a little bit. So our brains are motivated to seek pleasure. This is why our brains light up when we eat food that has like really high calories, like that really yummy sugary donut. Your brain says, ooh, this tastes good, and it's probably going to help us survive because it has so much energy for us, right? This is also why our brains are driven for things like reproduction. It's why we have sexual urges. And <clears throat> obviously, sex and pleasure are very intertwined. Um, and our brain believes or knows that 
that is very important for not only our own survival, but the survival of the human species. So yes, our brain wants to keep us alive, but in general, our brains as like a conglomerate are trying to maintain the human species, make sure that we continue to evolve. Okay. Seeking pleasure is the first part of motivational triad. The second part is avoiding pain. And I mean, this is pretty obvious. This is why when you put your hand on a hot stove, your brain says, no, don't do that. That's dangerous. It's not okay. This, our brain senses pain and looks for pain and tries to avoid it because obviously in major ways, pain is dangerous. It is the antithesis of our survival. Things that cause the most pain are also the things that might kill us. The interesting thing is that your limbic system doesn't really differentiate between like physical pain and emotional pain. So we might avoid uncomfortable or painful emotions like embarrassment, rejection, um, a lot of things that we've also talked about in previous episodes because our brain interprets it as pain and interprets that as dangerous. Our brain thinks, okay, if we get rejected by these people, if we fail to show up in the way that they want us to, then we might die. That is painful. So we avoid pain or any iteration of it, like even just discomfort, basically at all costs. Not even because we have learned to do that, though we definitely have, but because it's like inherent in the development of our human brain, because through the evolution of human biology, the human brain has learned and picked up on the importance of avoiding pain in order to survive. Okay, so that was the second part of the motivational triad. So seek pleasure, avoid pain. And then the third one is conserve energy. This part of the motivational triad is why Netflix is so effective at keeping you watching because your body wants to conserve energy. And what conserves energy better than just clicking that button to go on to the next episode? Think about all the other ways that your brain wants to conserve energy. This is why our brains really hate um, like changing focus. Like our brain loves to develop momentum in one direction and then keep moving in that direction, keep doing what it's already doing because it takes energy to stop what you're currently doing and redirect to something else. Um, this is also probably why sometimes your brain does everything in its power to stop you from pursuing that new hobby or quitting a job to get one that you would actually enjoy or doing the hard work of figuring out how to create connection in your marriage or I don't even know where these examples are coming from. But time after time, when I'm coaching my clients, it comes up that there's this thing maybe that they want to be doing in their life, whether it's like a goal for their business or a relationship they'd like to heal. And their brain is offering them all the reasons why they shouldn't do it. And it's really just as basic as their brain wants to conserve energy. If we just keep doing what we're already doing, we can conserve energy. And when we try to change things or take a chance or step outside our comfort zone or try something new, it requires more energy. The brain wants to put as much of its processing and thinking and things on default. It wants to put things on the back burner and let them run in the background where they don't take as much energy. Which is why so much of the work that I do as a life coach is to help my clients 
uncover what's going on subconsciously and bring it up to the surface where we have access to it. Because the brain is constantly trying to push as much as possible into the subconscious to conserve energy. Okay, I don't know how great I explained that. Maybe we'll come back and do a whole episode on the motivational triad with some better examples someday. But I think it is really useful to know that when your brain sometimes is getting in your way and preventing you from making the changes that you white mono make in your life, it's coming from a good place. Your brain does this because it wants you to survive. It wants to keep you safe and alive. And it does that by pursuing pleasure, avoiding pain and conserving energy. And I would challenge you to just start paying attention to the choices and the decisions and the actions that you're taking and consider even like the maybe the things that you feel most drawn towards or that you like to continue doing habitually, consider how those things serve your brain's motivations, either to seek pleasure, avoid pain, or conserve energy. I promise there's examples everywhere in your life of how this is happening. All right, so that is kind of more of like the central brain, that limbic system or survival brain. And the upper portion of the brain or the prefrontal portion, it, technically it would be your prefrontal cortex. This part of your brain is responsible for rational thought. So we're just going to call this your rational brain. This like top forward most portion of your brain that's literally like right behind your forehead is the last part of the human brain to develop. And this is the part of our brain that really sets us apart from other animals like reptiles and mammals. Because it gives us the ability to be the watcher of our own lives. What really sets us apart as humans is our ability to think about our thinking or to kind of like watch and oversee our own brain and notice what it's doing. I think it's always so interesting to think about the fact that this part of our brain was not only the last part to develop evolutionarily, but is also the last part to develop in our human lifespan. Your rational brain, your prefrontal cortex is not fully developed and fully functional until you are about 25 years old. Just think about that for a second. If you're over 25, maybe you can see how obvious that is, how much more rational your thinking is now than it was maybe when you were 15 or even 21. I don't know about you, but I definitely can look back and recognize, oh yeah, so much of what I did and thought and believed and um, the actions that I took or didn't take as a child and a teenager and a young adult, it's very obvious that it's because I was being driven by my emotional brain. Because the rational brain wasn't developed enough to step into the driver's seat yet. So obviously, it's amazing to have a rational brain. It's incredible that we can reason and analyze and think through things and plan for the future and take information from the past and process it and, and make it mean things about the future. Um, we can do all these things because we have a rational brain, but it's important to know that your rational brain 
only functions when your limbic system is not sensing danger. So only when like your overall brain understands and believes you're safe, do you have access to that rational brain. So I found a fairly amusing joke on the good old internet that kind of depicts the, how this part of the brain works. And the joke is this, the human brain is amazing. It functions 24 hours for 365 days. It functions right from the time we were born and only stops when we sit down to take an exam. And it's funny because it's true, right? Maybe not for everyone, but I think a lot of us have experienced this. I mean, you could switch out taking an exam for whatever it is that causes your brain to freeze up and stop functioning, your rational brain. Maybe it's public speaking. Maybe it's talking to that pretty girl or handsome guy or whatever it is. We've all experienced that. Well, maybe I shouldn't say we all. I don't know. But I assume most of us have experienced that sensation where your brain just like suddenly stops working. This is because our rational brains essentially turn off when our limbic system goes into any kind of fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. That's another topic we could probably do a whole other episode on. But it's important for us to know this, to know that we do not always have access to our rational brain. Because if there is any sense of danger or any lack of safety that we perceive, either consciously or subconsciously, our brain redirects energy from the rational section, that top prefrontal cortex, back down to the limbic system to focus on survival. And I have to remind myself and my clients of this so often. This is why I'm so passionate about self-compassion work. Because we can be so hard on ourselves when our brains are functioning exactly as they're supposed to. When our brains are under stress, they do not have the capacity for rational thinking. I don't know if that changes anything for you, but I know that knowing that has changed so much for me in my relationship with myself. The more... I learn about the human brain, the more I understand myself and the way that I function. And instead of judging myself for not being able to change my habits or for saying that ridiculously embarrassing thing in a public setting because I felt anxious or, I mean, I could give you so many examples of how my own survival brain gets in the way of my ability to think and act logically. So don't you think it's nice to know that that's just our brain doing its very best job to try and keep us alive? Yes, it may not always be the most effective in helping us show up in the world in the way that we want to show up in the world, but at least we can give ourselves a little compassion least we can recognize, oh, right, that's just my brain trying to keep me alive. I'm not a fool for saying or thinking or acting this way. I'm not a broken person or a problem to be fixed. I'm just a human with a human brain 
that has its limitations and a human brain that tries to convince me of all of my limitations because it wants to keep me safe and comfortable. It's just really good to know. It's really useful. I found it really useful in my life, at least. And it's really fundamental to so many of the other um, topics and things that I'm hoping to share on this podcast. So I hope today's overall just like quick run through of the different sections of the human brain as I find them to be relevant is useful or at least interesting for you in your journey to get to know yourself better and heal your relationship with yourself and step into embracing the most radical version of you. Um, this is why I always talk about how humans are messy. The way that our brains function often causes us to show up as a messy version of us in the world. And that is okay. You have an amazing human brain that helps you be capable of things that no other animal on the planet can do. And also sometimes a little bit gets in your way or kind of motivates you to get in your own way, I guess. Anyhow, all right, that is what I have for you today. Um, take care of my friends. Enjoy your beautiful life that's being driven by your beautiful human brain and opt for a little bit more compassion as you start to recognize how the way that you're showing up in the world is being dictated by various parts of your brain, probably most often that survival part of your brain. All right, take care, my friends. Hope that was useful. I will talk to you again soon. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you joined me here for today's podcast. If anything in today's episode resonated with you, or you think it might prove useful to someone that you know, I hope you will share it with a friend. I would also be immensely grateful if you would take the time to leave a review in whatever podcast app you're using today. Reviews are the best way for new listeners to find the podcast so that they can come and join in on the conversation. Once a month, I will be choosing one reviewer at random to receive a free private coaching session with me on any topic of your choice. This month, I hope that person is you.